<laughs> Great to see you all today. Everybody feeling good? Hope you feel as good as you look because you all look marvelous. Great to see Yeah, you look great today. Good to see everybody. We just finished a great series on death to selfie and life of Jacob and the God of Jacob, and that was so exciting. If you didn't get to be here last week, I would encourage you to listen uh, online. I felt like God gave me a word last week about reframing and renaming. Uh, We talked about going from Benoni, or Benoni, remember Benoni, to, to Benjamin. And uh, this week we're going to start a brand new fall series that I'm real excited about called Attitude of Gratitude. But we're going to talk about some practices, some pra- if I could show you some practices that would make you happier, actually healthier, and more hopeful in life, you'd have to feel good about that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. There are some practices, some behaviors that we can, that we can exhibit that can actually improve our, uh, our well-being. And so we're going to get into that this morning. Uh, really good to have all of our guests here today. If you are a Life Church regular, would you just welcome all of our guests with a hand clap? Really good to have all of you today. This morning I'm going to preach on the power of saying thank you. Now, I know on first blush it can sound like sort of a, just a, a southern manners preaching, you know, sermon like we're going to everyone say thank you. You know, that's not, that's not the intent of this sermon. You know, one of the first things we teach our children is to say please and thank you. But uh, I'm not just going to be dealing with good manners today. I'm going to actually talk about how expressing thanks can revolutionize your life, that expressing thanks can actually change uh, your sense of well-being. And, uh, and so we're making some pretty audacious claims in this series uh, that the happiest, the most hopeful, and the healthiest people in the world are people who, who practice um, gratefulness. And so we're going to be talking about that. Um, there have been over 26 studies that have connected uh, gratefulness to our sense of well-being. Um, let me just give you a little teaser this morning. How, anybody tired this morning? People that are grateful get more sleep. How you like that, all right? So uh, that's just a little teaser. You get more sleep, and it's actually better quality sleep. So that's really good. Okay, in honor of the reading of God's Word, if you wouldn't mind standing one more time, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to read just the first two verses that we're going to deal with, beginning with verse 11. We're going to go from verses 11 to verse 19, but I just want to deal with the first two to start with this morning as we talk about the power of saying thank you. Uh, It should show up on your screen here this morning. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border. Everyone say the border. Jesus is making a run for the border, all right? Not Taco Bell, all right? Between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would anoint your word today. And I just pray, God, that you'd help me to deliver it, Lord God, with the passion that you've given it to me. And I just pray in Jesus' name that we would leave here today changed, God, as a result of hearing your word and being in your presence. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we learned that Jesus is on the border between Galilee and Samaria. And if we're not careful, we can think that that's just a geographical note that we're being given there. That we're just being told that while he's on his way to Jerusalem, this happens to be where it's traveling. 
But the truth of the matter is that was not the most convenient way for Jesus to be traveling. He's going out of his way. Jesus is going out of his way to travel along the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now let me just give you a little heads up about Galilee and Samaria. Galileans, for the most part, were Jewish, but not completely because it's up in northern uh, Israel and it was in places where they had begun to mix and mingle with the peoples that were north of them. So the Galileans were not considered like the best Jews. They were, they were the compromisers sometimes. They were, they were uh, not, you know, if you were near Jerusalem, that's where it got strong, you know, that's where the strong Jews were. But you're up in Galilee. In fact, Jesus grew up, as you know, in Galilee. In fact, he was from a town called Nazareth. And the scripture actually said about Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? Is anybody alive this morning? Y'all awake. Turn to your neighbor and say it's time to wake up, all right? It's almost noon, guys. All right. Okay, so, so, um, so he's, he's up here in Galilee, and, uh, and it's, so it's not the strongest of Jews, but, but he's on the border of Galilee and Samaria, and the Samaritans were, were worse than the Galileans because the Samaritans, by the Jews' standards, were, were not even true Jews. They were mixed marriages. They didn't worship in the right place. They had it all wrong. And the Bible in one place says that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And this is where Jesus is hanging out. He's hanging on the border between the less thans and the outcasts. You got that this morning? He's on the border between the less thans and the outcasts. And it's not his most, it's not his, uh, uh, the best route for him to be taking, taken. You know, when you're on a border, there's a lot of mixing. There's, there's, uh, there's, there's uh, disputes over where the border lines are and who's who and who's in and who's out when you're on the border. Those are the kind of uh, people that you often find on the bar- border. When you get to the margins, when you get to the borders, you often find marginalized people. And so um, uh, there's lots of crossing issues, you know, who's in and who's out. Um, if you don't think this is relevant today, uh, just watch the uh, political uh, talk that's going on today. If, if, if you're not aware that there's stuff going on about the border, right? Everyone's being really, really tough about, you know, we can't let anybody in, you know, we got to build a big wall. And by the way, I'm not making a political statement here this morning. Let me just say this about church. One of the things I love about church is we get free from all the political junk and even the Tennessee Vols losing last night, right? So this is a place where we get to deal with the bigger issues. Are you thankful to God for that, all right? You can clap. Yeah, it's all right. Okay, so, but, but, you know, if you are aware of what's going on in the political uh, culture today, um, you're aware that there's a lot of talk going on about borders. And it's really interesting because you have a bunch of immigrants that are talking about immigrants not coming in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Because unless you're Native American, we all got here some other way. You know what I'm saying? And so I and, and don't get me wrong because I understand we need to have laws and we need to have uh, ways in which people get in and correctly and all that and I'm not even getting involved in all the political mess about all of that right now other than to say that Jesus was compassionate towards people who were marginal and who lived on the margins and who lived on the borders and so 
Um, and so the church has is, is got to be about marginal people. We've got to be concerned with marginal people. One of the best conversations I had this week was with a gentleman at my other job, and, and uh, I'm the pastor, and he found out what I was, and he told me he was a tattoo artist, and not only was he a tattoo artist, but he also ran a bong shop, you know? And so he was selling marijuana pipes and doing, and doing tattoos, and he found out I was a pastor, and he talked to me about all the pastors he's done nice crosses for on their back and all that, all that kind of stuff, and I declined, but, you know, I said, maybe a life church tree, I don't know, but... Um, Anyway, it was, it was a wonderful conversation because it was a border. It was a border uh, kind of a conversation. We were meeting on the border, and, uh, and it's people that some people would kind of consider. He was getting excited. That he was thinking one day Tennessee's going to legalize marijuana, and his shop was really going to take off, you know, and we exchanged business cards, you know. Not so I could frequent his shop, but, you know, I want to invite him to church and make friends with this guy. He's a, he's a great guy. But this is where Jesus was hanging out. It's the, it's the very kind of place. We, we, we found in the scripture that there were ten lepers here. It's the kind of place, it's like one of the only places that lepers could be, you know, near the border. In this disputed area. They couldn't be where the, where, where the religion was real strong. They, they had to get, get, get away by, by the border. And so Jesus is out of his way. And, and he finds he's in this place with the less thans and the, and the outcasts. And leprosy was so contagious that the only people that lepers could hang around were the other lepers. And so you already got it. You don't have to worry about it. So lepers would come together. So what's really kind of interesting is you've got these Jewish lepers now even hanging around with a Samaritan leper. And so it doesn't matter, you know, when, you, when you're an outcast, suddenly all those lines don't even matter anymore. And this, these Jews who normally wouldn't have even hung out with a, with, a, with, a, with a Samaritan, now that we go, both got leprosy, what's to lose? Let's hang together. And, and so they started hanging together. And I say all that this morning because when I think about life, church, I think in some way we're a little bit like that because we are people who somehow were displaced and, and, and you know, here I am. you got a Yankee pastor down south now, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and yet, in some ways, you know, uh, I wouldn't fit in, but you've welcomed me in. And what I've noticed about a lot of our new growth in the church is a lot of people are moving in from other states and they don't know anybody and they don't have any family and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? We just come in and we just make family, just kind of like these lepers were, you know what I'm saying? And, and you, we just make community together. And the church should be a place where people can do that. And, and so the first point that I want to make in, in your notes, if you're new with us, we have a place in our, in our bulletins where you can take notes. And, uh, and, and I love when, when you take notes because uh, note takers are history makers. And so uh, if you take notes, uh, uh, it, it'll really help you retain some of what you're hearing this morning. And the first thing that I want to say is that love goes out of its way to minister to marginalized people. Love goes out of its way to minister to marginalized people. Uh, church, this, let me put you on notice this morning. I am not interested in being just the church of the beautiful people. Even though you all are beautiful this morning, 
You, you know, there's people that are outside of these walls that feel less than beautiful, and we need to go out of our way to minister to people who feel like they are on the margins. They're, they're on the border. They don't, they don't know where they fit in, and, and, and it's not convenient kind of ministry. It's kind of out-of-the-way kind of ministry, but we are called to minister to people who are on the border. And so when you see the logo for Life Church, uh, it's this blue tree with those beautiful blue leaves. And we chose blue because blue is people's favorite color. But we intentionally put an orange leaf on the blue tree because outside of Tennessee, orange is people's least favorite color. True. And so the reason we have an orange leaf on that blue tree is we want to say, if you feel like you don't fit, if you feel like you're marginal, if you feel like there's not a home for you, there's a home for you in God's house. And you're not only beautiful to God, but you're beautiful to us. And so in our vision statement, we say that Life Church exists to move people who are far from God toward their highest potential as Christ followers. And so, Life Church, we better, you know, you know, how, you know, how come God always calls people to West Knoxville? You know what I mean? By the good mall. You know, I'm up here in North Knoxville Mall, you know what I mean? How many know what I'm talking about this morning? I'd love to be hanging out at West Town Mall, but I ended up at the Carm the other day, you know, doing my shopping. If you don't know what Carm is, Knoxville Area Rescue Mission, I got my wife a beautiful love seat from Carm yesterday. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And she loved it, I hope. Whew. All right. So, so but we, we've got to be involved in marginal ministry, and so... Uh, we do this, one of the things that I love that we do is once a month we go to a place called Water Angels. It, it's, it's downtown. It's, it's, it's right on the edge of downtown. It's a border kind of ministry. It's on the border of where the druggies hang out and where the civilized people live. It's right, it's right there. It's right on the border. And, and it's this lady who started out as a, as a Girl Scout mom who started delivering water to, to homeless people under the, uh, under the bridge. And, and that grew that they needed clothes and, and they needed food and, and they needed Jesus. And so now they've been given a donator to church and different churches come every week and, and, and minister the word there. And uh, they, uh, another church brings food. They give free haircuts, free clothing, all kinds of stuff. It's wonderful. It's marginal ministry. But it's one of the ministries that God's called us to do. And, and uh, last Sunday, I wasn't aware that it was our Sunday to do Water Angel Ministries. And normally, I'm not the preacher there because I'm preaching twice here. And we give some of our other preachers a chance uh, to preach there and get experience. And it's a wonderful thing. But that week, everyone happened to be out of town. All of our other ministers were uh, on fall break. And, and so I found out that morning, oh, man, i got to go to Water Angels. And my daughter had showed up in town from Branson, and I only had a day and a half to spend with her. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I want to spend time with Christiana, and now i got to go down to this, you know, to the Water Angels ministry, and it's, it's border kind of ministry. It's kind of borderline, you know, and, and all of that. And so, um, you know, I was feeling bad, and I... I, I and thank God for Christiana. Christiana said, I'll go with you, Dad. And she said, I'll play the piano and we'll sing and, and you preach and all of that. And so we went down there and I'm just kind of grumbling and complaining. And I walked in and the house was full. It was just filled with 
You know, what, you know what, one of the things that struck me as I was sitting there, the Lord just worked on my heart immediately while I was there. These people don't have to go to the church service in order to get the meal. They're there because they desperately need a word from God. They desperately want to be in God's house to worship. And we're there and the place was packed out. And Christiana's up there on an out-of-tune piano playing her heart out and we're singing and they don't care they're singing for all they're worth they're standing up they've got their hands raised up and uh, you know what struck me uh, struck me that it was the biggest crowd i preached to last sunday preached two services last sunday here and there was a huge crowd but you know what we're always meticulous to count how many people were here at life church every sunday nobody counts the people that are at water angels you know why because they're border people and we're not sure they really count so do we count people that don't count you know we tend to count people who we think counts but let me just tell you something the lord got on my heart that day and those folks count and, and, and the head of Water Angel said, hey, would you mind, Pastor, if we baptize three people before you get up and speak? And I thought, okay, I guess we'll deal with that inconvenience. You know. But, you know, they baptized three people who'd just given their lives to God. There's testimonies all over the place. And, you know, I thought I preached pretty good here last Sunday, but I really gave it to them at Water Angels last week. And I just preached my heart out at Water Angels. And, and there was a lady that came up afterwards with tears in her eyes. You could tell she'd been a professional woman, but she'd lived a hard life. She said, Pastor, she said, you told that story about your miscarriage, you and your wife's miscarriage. And, and she said, you need to know I've had a miscarriage. And, and uh, I just got out of jail and i'm getting my life together she said you were preaching to me this morning pastor that's the place that jesus was preaching on that day that's the place that jesus was at he was on the margins between samaria and galilee i came to put us on notice life church if we're going to be the kind of a jesus kind of church we're going to have to do the inconvenience of dealing with some people who are kind of marginal Marginal ministry is not convenient. Love calls us to be inconvenient at, at, at times. And go to the next passage of Scripture, if you would. It said, they stood at a distance. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And he saw them and he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I was reading Martin Luther on this passage, and, and Martin Luther said that the gospel is encapsulized right here because the gospel is faith and love. And he said, faith receives whereas love gives. Faith receives whereas love gives. And one of the things that I want you to notice this morning is that when, when these guys saw Jesus. I don't know what they were doing, sitting in the dirt playing tic-tac-toe. I don't know what they were doing, but when they saw Jesus, the Bible says they stood up. And there's something about faith that will cause you to stand up. There's something that when love is in the house and when Jesus is in the house, it causes you to say, you know what, I know that Jesus is in the house and he's got the ability to help me and I'm standing up in expectation. And so, and so faith receives and, then they, and they stood up, but not only did they stand up, they cried out with a loud voice as if he could do something for them. And he said, Jesus, Master, have pity 
on us. Faith receives. And I came here to say to some folks this morning that Jesus is in the house. And if you'll have faith this morning, you can receive what you need this morning. Maybe you need healing in your body this morning. Jesus is in the house. Maybe you need encouragement today. Jesus is in the house. Maybe you're going through a bad time. Jesus is in the house. And we can stand up by faith and cry out to him and say, Lord, have mercy. And then love gives. And so Jesus says to them, go show yourselves to the priests. You know, it's interesting. The more faith there is, the less, the less stuff Jesus has to do. You know, he doesn't have to go over and he doesn't have to anoint them with oil and he doesn't have to lay hands on them and he doesn't have to do all that. They're at a distance, but there's so much faith there. He just says, go on, brothers. Just, just, just go on. You got it. You got it. You don't. You need nothing else. You don't need. You don't need the oil. You don't need the anointing. You don't need any of that. There's so much faith in that house that you just, you just go on. And as you're going, you can just show yourself to the priest. Hallelujah. 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 And so let's let's move on in the scripture. So one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw him, can you just imagine, imagine this, you've got leprosy, your skin is falling off of you. you know, I, that's the way I always remembered that disease, leprosy, oh my skin is falling off of me, I'm not half the man I used to be, no I'm sorry, that's, that, that's bad, I, I, I should not have shared that this morning, but anyway, that's how I remember what that disease is, you know, there, it's, it's really a bad, it's a wicked disease, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's terrible, and imagine while you're walking that you're, you're being healed, and so this guy, this guy, he runs back and he says, thanks, but, but you know, this is where the, this is where the story kind of gets tricky to me. The next point that I want to make is giving thanks was not a prerequisite for their healing. This is really, really important for me to say because I got some, I got some issues with this whole thank you thing. And here's what I mean by that. Y'all ever know some people who, when they give you a gift, when they give you a gift, there's a hook in that gift. And that hook in that gift means that they're giving you a gift, but they're expecting you to say thank you. And until you say thank you, you're in trouble. And I know that because I lost the list. When Melanie and I got married, I lost the list. You know what the list is. That list that someone meticulously wrote down of everyone who ever gave us a gift at that wedding, I lost the list. When I got back from the honeymoon, I was not in the doghouse. I was in the dumpster looking for the list. I went through the dump. We never did find that list. There are people that gave us cake plates that never got a thank you card. There are people that gave us all you know, little pictures on the wall, footprints in the sand, all that stuff that never got there. We remembered everyone we could, but we forgot a whole bunch of them. We didn't know, and, and, and there's, there, there's, still that, there's still that wounding in, in, in me about that. But here's what I want to say about gift giving. I think when we read this passage, we can almost read it with the thought that Jesus is giving the gift, and he's up there like some religious guy saying, hmm, I wonder who's coming back. Hmm, say thanks. Hmm. 
But, but I, I don't get that impression from this. I don't get the impression that had that guy not come back, that Jesus would have ever thought any more about it. He gave his gift and he was done. And I want to say that this morning because, because people that you help will often disappoint you. In fact, sometimes the people that you help the most will be the least thankful. It happens all the time at churches. The people that come to you for benevolence, you help them, you help them, and uh, they take those gifts and you never see them again and, they, and they'll abuse uh, themselves and, 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 and it, can leave, it can leave you with some, some uh, giving fatigue. You know what I mean. But I want to say, I want to say, church, that giving is not about expecting anything in return. That when we give, we need to give without uh, uh, ever thinking that anyone owes us anything. The role of the giver, the role of Jesus in this story is that when he gives, he doesn't say, now listen, I'm going to give you this gift, but you better say thanks. He doesn't do that. He just gives them the gift. He heals them, and they go on their way, and they find themselves to be healed. I want to say that this morning, that if you have the spirit of giving on you, you'll, you never need to expect anything in return for that. Now, let me tell you something. It's wonderful. We need to be grateful. Those who receive gifts, it's our responsibility to be grateful. But it is the onus is on the giver never to expect anything in return. And we all know people who give with a hook. Am I telling the truth this morning? I'm telling the truth this morning. And so as givers of the love of God, we must learn to love unconditionally with no strings attached. No strings attached. Much of the best things that you will do, no one will ever say thank you for. The, 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 the service that you give, people will, 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 will take advantage of it. But the next thing I want you to notice from this particular part of the passage is that gratefulness is not just a feeling, it's an action. It's important that we don't just feel grateful, it's important that we act on that gratefulness. You, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that all ten felt grateful. All ten of those that were there were really glad that they didn't have their leprosy anymore. And they probably all had positive thoughts about Jesus. And I think if we're not careful, we can carry around with us lots of internal gratefulness that never gets ex expressed. It's important, people. It's important, church, that we say thank you. Amen? It's important that we express those things. What if I, what if, uh, I, I, I feel love for my wife, but I never tell her? Melanie, I told you on our wedding day I loved you. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. That won't work, Robert. You're a newlywed. <laughs> won't work. Let me just tell you right now, it won't work. You've got to keep expressing it, don't you? You've got to keep expressing it. It's not just to be felt. It's to be expressed, and it's the same with gratefulness. We can't just feel internally grateful, but we've got to express that gratefulness. And so, and so the man that, what, that set this man apart was that not only did he feel it, but that he expressed it. It's important that you say it. Now, the next scripture, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Now, now that's, where, that's where, if you're not careful, you can put that religious thing on them. Like, hmm, 
Where's the other nine? Hmm. Has no one returned to give praise to God? Ungratefulness is often expressed by those who have been given much. People who are most righteous in their own eyes tend to be the least grateful. People who think that the world owes them something tend not to be grateful. We Americans, if we're not careful, can be ungrateful because we grew up just by being born in this country with a silver spoon in our mouths. And if we're not careful, we can think that should be expected and that everyone should expect that. And when anything goes wrong, it's not fair. And we can be ungrateful. Some people think that everyone deserves heaven just by showing up on the planet. It doesn't matter how you live your life. And, 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 And folks that realize that don't realize something extremely important about the gospel, and that is this, that all of us have to realize that all of us are messed up at the core. That every one of us, every one of us is deeply broken and desperately in need of the grace of God. Amen. See, the difference, the difference was with, with these nine who didn't come back. You know, I, I just imagine them. They're probably Jews. Because we know that the one who came back was a Samaritan, and Jesus singles him out for that. And these are Jews who are thinking, we're chosen people. We've been entitled to be God's chosen people. We're blessed, and we should be blessed. And so this leprosy is an anomaly. It should not have come. And so by being healed of our leprosy, we're just back in the state that we presently belong to be. But the truth is, if those Jews had been honest, they would have said, you know what, no, it doesn't matter where we were born. It doesn't matter how, uh, any of those things. We desperately need God. And I would say to his church this morning that part of the gospel is understanding that without God, we're nothing. That without Jesus, we're nothing. You know, the one thing that I agree with Calvinism about is that they understand that the total depravity of man, if, 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 you, if you think that there's anything good on your own, the only goodness in us is that God created a God-like void inside of us that wanted to be filled. But without God, all of us are broken and desperately in need of a Savior, except for the grace of God. I would be lost. We're all lepers in need of a Savior. This, this point is made earlier in the Gospel of Luke when, when Jesus is having dinner at the home of a Pharisee and, the, and there's a sinful woman that anoints him. There, there's a little conversation that proceeds that in, 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 chapter 40, in verse 41 of Luke 7. It says, Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. Jesus is teaching. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman, this woman that's anointing Jesus. He's anointing Jesus and he's anointing the, the hosts. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, 
but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began saying among themselves, who is this that he even forgives sins? And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Whoever's been forgiven little loves little. If you have been forgiven little, it doesn't mean that you only needed to be forgiven little. If you have been forgiven little, it only means that you have not plummeted the depths of your need for God. The reason reason that they had been forgiven little is because they had a sense of entitlement. Entitlement, we're the Jews. Hey, we're God's people. We're all right. Okay, maybe I do a little white lie here and there. Okay, I need forgiven for that. But hey, it's not all bad. But here's this woman. She's lived a rough life. She's had a terrible life, and God and, and Jesus has touched her. And, and when she comes in, she anoints his feet. She kisses his feet. She wants him to know how grateful she is because she's been forgiven much. Hey, Life Church, every one of us in this place need to have the attitude of that woman that, that we're desperately in need of God and that he's forgiven us much. Amen? Amen. And so... And so he forgives her much, and he tells her, he tells her, go in peace. I'm going to ask the worship team uh, to come forward, if you would. Um, Let's go to the last scripture here in this text, and it says, Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, it's a little confusing when you read it in the English because it almost seems like, oh, he's just now being healed. Because he says, rise, because your faith has made you well. Well, I thought when Jesus pronounced earlier that, that they could go, that they, were, that, they, that they were cleansed, that the leprosy was leaving their body. It is true. But this word here is a different word in the Greek. It's not well in the sense of recovered from leprosy. It's well in the sense of he made him whole. It's an all-inclusive. It's sometimes translated salvation. Salvation from everything. That he's been made complete. That, that, That being healed was not complete. You know, and and when I read that, I think that some of us settle for God's hand to heal us. But we never seek His face, which can make us whole. We want Jesus to stretch out His hand and say, be healed and get us out of our bad situation that we happen to be in.
us to just get our healing and never to be made whole. But Jesus wants to make some people whole today. And one of the things that I want to say about gratefulness in this series that is more than just nice manners, but it's going to make you more whole. It's going to make you more hopeful. It's going to make you happier. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to make you healthier. It's going to make you more complete. cleansing what that Jewish priest would not have pronounced over you. 